Obviously, we are different. Lucky me. First time for everything. Galactic Empire. We've got company. Hello. What's that? My name's Omega. I was wondering when you guys would come back. Hunter, Echo, Tech, Wrecker, and Crosshair. You're Clone Force 99. And this is Batch for Breakfast, a Rebel Base Card special micro-podcast series. A Star Wars Bad Batch podcast that asks more questions than it answers. Along with me, Greg McLaughlin is my co-host and fellow card squadron winger, Gregory Cass from Ion Cannon. Today we are asking questions on Bad Batch episode 13, Infested, that premiered on Disney Plus Friday, January 23rd. Greg, how are you doing this fine evening? Uh, I'm, I'm mostly okay, but I can't get these last few SDCC variants on the Card Trader app. Ah. I got to get that whole set. They're 80 cards? How can we do this? Otherwise, I'm good. How are you doing? <laughs> I was going to say, I am kind of in the same boat. Um, and, you know, what's interesting is that I, as a sidetrack, uh, talking to Brendan Bernard, who is the senior graphic designer for Star Wars Card Trader on Twitter, and I was I was so enamored with the San Diego Comic-Con variants, and he was saying he'd actually had done the designs last year and almost forgot about them until, you know, like, I mean, obviously them put them up, and then we kind of made, I made a, a big deal over them, and he was like, but they were nice. And now I'm thinking that whenever I do a post, I also tag Darren Pepe, who is also another graphic designer that works on Star Wars Card Trader. Um, and so if you are in Card Squadron like the rest of us, please join us. We collect as one. Um, it's nice because they actually, I, I think they like the feedback, and I think they also can give you some insights that if nobody asks, you don't get it. But it is really fun to collect with uh, everybody and then find out these little nuggets about them, and I think it adds such a great dimension to uh, Star Wars Card Trader and the fact that everybody is kind of looking out because, as you said, an 80-card set for San Diego Comic-Con, um, and that's not to talk about the... There was the comic covers that dropped on Sundays. We're recording Sunday night for Monday morning, really, um, for Batch for Breakfast. So there is a lot from San Diego Comic-Con, and it's been very, very fun. There's some really good... There was some free stuff in there. There was a great ships. Yeah. Um, so it is... It, it's fun, but... You know, on the one hand, you go, it's an 80-card set, very daunting. On the other hand, hey, join with the rest of us. And I was getting some trades. I'm sure you were getting some trades. Thank you uh, for the trades you sent over because yeah. we're all helping each other uh, complete this set. <laughs> but tonight, we are talking about the Bad Batch. And the show works like this. Greg and I will trade questions to each other that we have not talked about before. There is, of course, a chance we could take another question, which tonight is on the hook because I have a feeling it's going to be a short show. Uh, there are no points, bonus rounds, or lightning rounds, but there is the Greg's List. These are way better Star Wars, Bad Batch podcasts, and whatnot that we listened to, watched, or otherwise uh, sucked up this week. And I want to know from you, uh, Mr. Cass, what did you get a chance to uh, ingest this week on the Bad Batch? Uh, so many good shows. As we talked about last week, I think a lot of people are kind of slowing a little bit. I think it's a time of year when vacations are happening and other things as well. So people drop a week or combine a couple weeks, but mm -hmm. still a lot of really good coverage of Bad Batch going on. Um, I'm going to shout out my my usual uh, the Force Center uh, continues. They whatever we we joke that sometimes we're going to have a short show. They just deliver <laughs> an hour and a half no matter what. Those guys can talk about anything. I think I just finished 
two hours of them talking about the new High Republic middle grade book. Um, so they can just they just find the depth to whatever they're talking about. Um, uh, I, I also want to give a shout out to uh, Fred the Jedi uh, doing his YouTube reactions. Um, I try to never miss those. And he and I had a great talk this week. He's making some big moves in his life and he really wants to start to, to earn big bucks from his uh, YouTube channel. Uh, you know, uh, channel and community. So he's, he's looking to expand and he's looking for ideas. If people are, are, aren't following him, they really should. Uh, but the last one that I, I tried out this week, um, is a one I'm actually embarrassed. I, I haven't listened to, uh, all the way through, which is rebel cells, C E L S, uh, which is hosted by, um, uh, three rotating hosts, uh, two of whom are Mike Cohen and, uh, Joe Hogan, uh, both of whom are official Star Wars artists uh, in different capacities and at different times. Um, I am blessed to have a sketch card from each of them in my Kenobi collection, uh, both of which I commissioned because I never get the great pull kid. Uh, So... uh, (laughs) But they are great artists, and their coverage of all the animated shows is always really fun. But I hadn't really listened to their Bad Batch coverage. Um, Joe Hogan's uh, celebration uh, art show print this year was the Bad Batch. so And so he submitted that long before the show was even on. So you know he's a big fan and a big fan of, of all things clone. Um, I don't know if you remember in Celebration Chicago, he did the print that had every single clone trooper that had ever been oh designed. My. It was like a hundred different commanders and everybody who could fit in. So big clone guy. That's a great show. If people are looking to check something new out themselves. Nice. Nice. I had a very, Oh, I want to say I had a very, I wouldn't say adventurous, but I I thought I was going to get through a lot of content this week. And, you know, the regulars were there. Uh, I know rebel force radio, not only did one, but they were also doing a sort of like, where will the bad batch end? Um, they've been, I mean, they do their show on Saturday afternoons and it's nice. Usually it's one of the first ones I get a chance to listen to. Um, there was another, must've been another episode, like another round table, or maybe it was at the same round table where, um, we talked about before where they had Vanessa Marshall this time and making tracks was one of the ones I listened to this week. Um, I always think they, Mark and Mark do a great job, especially when they're doing a round table cause they give a lot of other people, uh, the space to ask their questions as well. And uh, mm. I know that um, Full of Sith, and I want to say, I don't know their Coffee with Kenobi did, uh, did as well. Um, I know the Force.net had been putting out some new uh, content, including the Bad Batch, I did not get a chance to listen to. And I know that uh, Pink Milk um, also had a chance to throw out an episode. They, they do... They do their regular show, um, Brian and Tom, and then they do um, Pick Milk After Dark on Friday nights. And so they've been they've been doing it. And I know there was a lot of uh, discussion about Hauser, which, you know, Hauser's <laughs> a good-looking clone, um, I will yeah. say. So, um, But it's been nice because I, I like the buzz around Hauser. And although I, we talked about this last week, I, I think it's the last we'll see of him. Um, it would be interesting to see. I would, I would really like to see um, where that little storyline went. Um, but... I think it's one of those where I don't mind biting off more than I can chew as far as the shows because I always treat my podcast playlist as like a magazine rack. I'm like, I want to see, I want to have all the choices there and then I can go through. Sometimes it's by uh, length, um, but sometimes you go, you know, but I also would say, and here's a little podcast tip for you. I do like altering the speed of the playback 
um, because I don't necessarily think it's not like speed reading where you can kind of burn through. But um, sometimes if I have a huge list, I will up the speed a little bit and it does make mm. some of the lar- longer episodes go a little quicker, but I still get the same content and I don't yeah. feel like I'm hurting anything, but it's nice when you have a, a large playlist. And I do like that fact of being able to kind of modify because, you know, some of these shows, like unlike us, they go into great detail and yeah. I, I want to listen to them. And, but if you have like three or four shows that are like two hours a piece, that gets a little tough, but if you can kind of speed it up a little bit, um, I think there is your podcast uh, listen tip for the week. <laughs> All right. Um, before we get into our questions, I did want to thank um, Kyle Scully, uh, a.k.a. SoCal Sully on Twitter, Scully on Twitter and Instagram. He had a great question I wanted to throw to you. And mm. and this was sort of an overarching question. He said, what if The Bad Batch is ultimately a bridge series between the end of the Clone Wars and the beginning of Rebels? And could we see, and I think he might be thinking a little far ahead here, um, kind of like the end of Rebels, could we see a flash forwards on Bad Batch much like we saw on Rebels. Greg, I'm going to put this very tough but great great question from Kyle to you. Yeah, I, I like Kyle's positive spin on it because, you know, again, I think we've seen the complaints on this show grow in terms of they're making the galaxy too small or they're connecting too much. But to remember that, um, you know, Clone Wars and Rebels are the big markers in the animated star wars world the animated star wars universe and to think of this as maybe just filling in the gap slowly from one to the other so that you would then have gosh uh almost 10 years i think that would be maybe even closer to 20 years of of animated storytelling uh Mm -hmm. going through um and that would be quite an achievement and something really unique um you know i think it's clear in terms of larger picture hollywood that everybody's copying marvel everybody wants their own uh cinematic universe and um i think star wars uh doesn't need to try to do that i think it can be its own thing and and nobody's really tried to have kind of a concurrent animated version of their universe alongside the the main version so there's there's real potential to that um to the the flash forwards i'm just gonna say ominously that uh assumes that the bad batch is all gonna live and Mm. i'm not convinced there yet um i still think we we haven't gotten a season two uh announcement yet i assume it's imminent or will drop as soon as the finale drops but um it could be that this is a shorter show because these characters maybe don't last until the beginning of Rebels. Um, yeah, the, that seems a real possibility to me still. I do like, and I think he, uh, he had a small follow-up question. He says he keeps waiting for members to die off and get replaced. Really? And I don't necessarily think that's out of the realm of possibility where you know we keep talking before about Crosshair, Crosshair's redemption. And... Uh, um, you know, for me personally, I don't necessarily think that Crosshair has to live in order to. I, I don't think it necessarily is written in stone that he will or has to. Um, and I, you almost not gonna have to follow back on Rogue One, where to me, I think Rogue One has a, such a great impact because none of the characters really make it out, and you see yeah. their sacrifice, and each of them, you know, really get a, a tremendous. I hate saying they get a great death scene. But I, mm. I do think that, you know, it does sort of show that, you know, in order to get the rebellion going, you know, maybe some of them have to kind of, you know, I, I think it'd be very interesting if they were able to to pull it off. And I think as far as a, an animation show, you know, we saw what happened with uh, Kanan 
Uh, mm. you know, and and what a powerful moment really in Star Wars storytelling that was. Um, yeah. That we could see it. Um, and, and when we would see it. All right. But mm. I think we're going to have to... I'm going to hold back a little bit. I don't know what you think. Do you think? Uh, mm-hmm. Do you think this could be a a bad batch that's a rotating cast of characters before we get started? It's funny because I think of that so much more in terms of a live action show. I I think the the example I always think of is ER. Right? You mm. could run ER for a long time because when George Clooney got too famous to be on ER, he cycled out and you cycled in new doctors and and on and on. I think probably Grey's Anatomy is doing the same thing. I don't watch that, but it's been on like 20 years now, it seems like. <laughs> so, uh, so however they're doing it. So um, I think of that as something you do in live action to maintain it in animated, uh, especially since they're all D. Bradley Baker. There's no uh, <laughs> renegotiation. There's there's just the one guy. Um, but, you know, just as we're seeing the Empire cycle in, you know, citizens and and non-clones maybe the bad batch needs to eventually accept some more people into their ranks and uh welcome people on um if i had to put down money i think they're gonna keep it like it is with um lots of different contacts right uh i'm thinking you know uh it's starsky and hutch have have their street contacts and things like that that's gonna be the bad batch when they need a little help they'll go see cut they'll go see sid or whatever but it's gonna stick with the main crew is my guess i like the fact you brought up starsky and hutch and i would i would probably press you on if you knew who starsky and hutch's um contact was honey bear there's your bear Huggy Bear, that's it, that's it. <laughs> well, uh, I'm so proud that I got to correct you on that. Oh, now I, I can go to bed happy. <laughs> I thought I had you, but at any rate. Yeah, and which is funny because I think that name actually gets put in the in the opening credits for Starsky and Hutch. Um, yeah, my, my sister was oh, enamored funny. with that show and had her first car, a 72 Grand Torino, painted in the style of, not the color of, but in the style of Starsky and Hutch. And I will say for the 72 Grand Torino, the smoothest backseat ride of any car I have ever been in. That thing hummed. All right. On that note, I'm going to give you the the, uh, the hard question. I'm going to give you the hard uh, choice this week to start off with a question for a show that I had, to be honest, had a little trouble coming up with some questions for. What uh, mm-hmm. what did you come up with, Mr. Cass? I'd, I'd agree with that. Uh, not uh, not the most exciting episode to me. Uh, you know, kind of a quiet, kind of self-contained little adventure here, which I guess we kind of said about Ryloth as well. So, um, I'll uh, so so I also had some trouble. You'll see when we get to deep in my list, especially if you take some of mine. I have some that are just goofy. Uh, so I'll start with the one I, I feel good about, which is continuing a theme uh, of thinking about how the Bad Batch negotiate this world, what decisions they make, how or this galaxy, excuse me. So um, we get a really nice um, moment early on, and so they see that Sid's uh, cantina has been taken over, um, and then they find Sid on their ship. And we get this nice kind of comparison between Omega, who's like, well, we have to help Sid. We need to help her. We help people. That's what we do. And then you get Sid, who is like, well, you have to help me because I have this secret about you. And so I guess my question here is, is what do you think is the smarter play here? Should the Bad Batch be more like Omega and just help to be good and help everybody else? Or do they need to start to think a lot more like Sid and be more cynical and, and start to 
blackmail and control other people <laughs> and check those things. So who's who's more realistic for this galaxy? I would have to say that I don't think that Hunter has the depth yet to really get savvy with how he deals with people. I think of anyone, you know, the Bad Batch are pretty much straightforward. They they are not good poker players or Sabic players, and so they're not going to bluff. Um, I think that Hunter was wise to try to get them off of there, um, and Sid just happened to be... It's interesting because you start thinking, like, Sid's, Sid went for their ship. You know, so clearly she did not have any kind of help to oust uh, Roland and his crew herself, and she used the only play. And I was a little disappointed because I was like, we were like, well, how how was Sid going to be using them? Would she turn them in? And so she went she went clearly for that. So I think it almost looks like a little desperation there to yeah, me. That's a good point. But um, you know, and the, the fact that she could, she probably could have pulled it off with very little. So I was, you know, on the other hand too, that Hunter, you know, does Hunter want to be in organized crime the rest of his life? <laughs> and so it's interesting that they kind of went went through. But that's where I was, you know, it, it goes back and forth, and you know, maybe this is what eventually gets them to say we're kind of done with this because the Pikes are the Pikes. Uh, yeah. And they they eventually join and you know if they're going to be keep doing this you know of course they have no they have no debt with Sid at this point right. so they were clearly doing it you know so it's wondering if like how long does really does Sid have this leverage over them or how long will they just say all right that's kind of enough so that that's yeah. what I thought was a little surprising that she pulled her card and i thought that was really her only card at this point so you know now yeah. that she's back in there will she be comfortable enough to go you know we keep thinking that this was sid's last episode um mm. or at least i thought that sid was kind of on the way out but we'll see so yeah. that's where i'm at your thoughts yeah i mean it goes back to this idea that i i don't think the bad batch are ready for the galaxy they're in and it's mm. it's naivete it's it's you know not understanding how the galaxy works and you know as i i i try not to give into the cynicism of twitter but there is increasing frustration with this show and part of it i think is it doesn't always feel like there's a lot of forward momentum and i can feel that frustration myself but i more see it in the characters right like they're still kind of biding their time and just trying to get through whatever the scrape of the moment is i'm wondering where are they going long term? It's it's time for them to start to decide, are, are we going to join the rebellion? Are we going to just be mercenaries? Um, what's what's our game plan? Because um, you can it, you can't just survive forever. You got to try to build yourself a life, I would think. I'm going to tack onto that with my first question, playing yeah, an audible, because I think that this is a, this is something I want to spend a few more minutes on. And it, and it has to do with character development with folks like Echo and Tech. I don't mind that we took some time, take all the time you need, but would have would this episode would have an episode like this been better served to the overall story if we had given some of the characters a little more breathing room you know, like, can we get a Chekhov and Sulu story for heaven's sakes? <laughs> could some of the other could some of the other batch have gotten a little more light in these stories 
would it have served the overall purpose of this by not necessarily focusing on the main characters? It, do you think that the others are not getting their fair due? I mean, it's a good question this late in the season because it kind of feels like we're about to hit into the the run towards the finale or, or really the finale sometime very quickly here. So what do we think? I mean... If, if we're not driving plot, we should be driving character. Thank and you. we've gotten a lot on Omega. We've gotten a lot on Hunter um, and and Wrecker, right? Um, and, and it really made sense that Wrecker had a central role in the kind of last action set piece of this episode because he's the muscle and it was a job for the muscle. But it is notable that tech has basically become Wikipedia, right? Like, <laughs> oh, let me look up this creature for you and tell you the details. Um, and Echo, frankly, just disappears. I mm -hmm. mean, he, he locked a door this episode. Uh, <laughs> door. I don't even remember if he said anything. I'm sure he said a couple things, but nothing of consequence, nothing really that matters. So um, the the other podcast obsession I have right now is Star Wars Minute, which is in the middle of Last Jedi. I've almost done Last Jedi. And one of the things they've made me think about the sequel trilogy is that Finn is a big wasted opportunity to talk about the trauma that he experienced growing up as a stormtrooper and then finding his conscience and all that. And like Finn should be weirder, right? He shouldn't be mm -hmm. normal. He should be kind of really screwed up. Um, and he's just kind of the cool guy. And we already have a cool guy, and that's part of some of the difficulty in, in uh, those three movies. Well, I feel that way about Echo, right? There's a real opportunity there to fill in. How do you feel that your life was destroyed by the droids and you lost parts of your body and you know your own humanity to a certain extent? It seems like there's a real lost opportunity to have him be there instead of just a secondary tech guy. So... Um, you know, if we get that season two, that will be top on my must-do list because we really need to to care about the whole crew. I think I love that. I love that answer. I think I think you're right on it, and I think a lot of this a lot of this discussion from other people or Star Wars or Twitter and not night goes away if you take some opportunity to dive in. And I think that you know. It, you know, we've seen so close to the vest. If you look on on Wikipedia, there still isn't any kind of listing for episodes 15 and 16 um, past next week's episode, War Mantle. So they're keeping all this close to the vest. And I have to think, you know, if, you know, the way they're playing it. Um, yeah, I, I just think there there could have been there could have been so much more, um, you know, heck, a, a couple extra gonks from Gonky. Uh, would pretty much <laughs> pacify me at this point. Um, but, yeah, I do think that we have a lot more batch uh, to go through. And, you know, I, I, I agree. It's a it's a lost opportunity there. All right, Mr. Cass, uh, you have a list. I'm curious now on some of these ones on your list. <laughs> do you understand these caverns? <laughs> so I don't because it's a sewer-like cavern in the city, and it says, let let's go to the, my my back room through these tunnels and then later when they need to, the ship to visit the tunnels they go way out of town on with the ship to check out the cavern so um while that is a kind of jokey question i i'll frame it as like do you understand the caverns did you like the caverns were they just a lord of the rings reference i don't oh, know if that percolated geez. for you uh but 
what did you think of the, the time we spent underground? I would say, in all honesty, the first go-through, I did skip through a bit because I wanted to try to see where it was going. Sometimes they build up this tension, and you, if you didn't have a Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom vibe to this, it was completely where it was going. Yeah. Um, you know, you think of the Geonosians, you know, and going through and seeing that from Attack of the Clones and whatnot, and, and some of the others. Yeah, it was interesting that you had these these carts, and even my friend Paul this morning, or uh, over the weekend at, at uh, Saturday Morning Bagels, was like, you know, why do you have Sid and Omega in the first cart? Why didn't you split up your, your muscle <laughs> to move these carts along? And they made a bunch of noise. I'm like, at that point, turn the motors on. Um, yeah. But he also brought up a good point of, you know, if these folks, if there's an open entryway, why aren't you know why aren't people in the city worrying about you know them coming and, and swooping away children at night? Uh, I'm yeah, surprised yeah. if there was a threat. You know why didn't they just fly out? And so <laughs> I have to say I don't necessarily think the our our aliens or our resident bugs or whatnot were completely fleshed out. Mm. Um, although I did like the it, it did make make sense that there were tunnels and that Roland as we see Roland not necessarily the the greatest um, villain in the in the in the uh, troop of a uh, star Wars villainum. And I think you'd almost have to go back. We were talking about uh, star Wars droids. Um, mm-hmm. I think the, the villain uh, who wasn't really that good in that one will also kind of fell in this category, but yeah. you know, I think it was, it was convenient. Um, but it was, you know, you, you had the feeling that they had to kind of, I, I it, it served the story, but I don't know if we needed, if we needed the, I don't know if we needed the infestation, Mm-hmm. Or that to get through, because there was other things like why, you know, if you were able to hoist them out, why would you worry about winching them up? You could just lift straight up and they would be out. Um, yeah. So yeah. I, I think there was I think it was a little thin, um, but it was you know, like I said, it was interesting and it, it gave it instead of blasting their way in, it gave them a nice, convenient excuse for that. Um, so, like I said, I just think it was convenient and it goes back into my other theory that. <sighs> You know, maybe this could have been fleshed out a little better, and then I would have probably, mm. you know, given it. You know, we don't give letter grades here. That's not our. That's not our <laughs> gig. But um, I, I, I would have docked him a couple of points for that. But I did like. You know, the one thing that you will see is that with the graphic work that they do on the animation, anything in this show is gorgeous to look at and True. completely well done. So, um, yeah. on the one hand, I could, I could, I could gig you a little bit for the story. But it, it's all going to look uh, gorgeous, so there we go. <laughs> With my next question, though, I go back once again. Since we saw the type of story we did, mm. are you feeling better about... I uh, go back to the mechanics. Are you feeling more about Season 2? Obviously, it doesn't seem like they are in a rush to get to where we think they need to be, and stories, you know, over like large stories, small and large seem like they're not in a hurry. So what is your feelings about going forward as far as the end of season one and into season two? This is probably a better end question, but I, I'm bringing this up now. No, it's a good question. Um, I think, so we've mentioned before, Dave Filoni has a reputation across almost all his shows that season one is weak and season two really finds its footing and is strong. I also think the economics of, 
the streaming industry mean you usually want two seasons to kind of make up for the initial investment um you know a lot of the netflix shows that really don't work they still get a second season and then they're out of there after that (laughs) so um disney's a bit of a different animal everything works differently when you own everything under the sun um but i do think uh i think season two is really likely and i agree more than anything i would say we're we're not in a rush this back half of the season um my opinion on resistance uh season one was that the first half really had trouble finding itself and was kind of meandering then the second half was really strong and really you know drove forward through some important plots and i would almost put bad batch at the opposite it felt like we had a lot of momentum early on Mm -hmm. and then it's kind of slowed down and is that because they have a plan for season two um, or is it just because they they like these one off adventures? I mean, we can say all we want about the larger story. I watch it with my six year old. He just likes record punching stuff. So <laughs> the more as long as record does a couple things like he did this week, he Henry's good and, and is happy to, to watch it. So um, I think we sometimes forget that that might be who they're working for. Right. At, at this point. Um, I see some Star Wars fans online complain about things like the Lego Star Wars things uh, shows. And it's like, you know, that's not for 40 <laughs> somethings, right? Like that's definitely for six year olds. And I'll tell you, my six year old loves it. So uh, we I remember that, you know, don't be the guy elbowing kids out of the way to get the action figure. You want <laughs> let the kids get first crack. <laughs> Yeah, I found out too late that that Boba Fett prototype was in Target. And I'm like, there's no way I'm getting it now. Um, yeah, although yeah, I... I guarded my app all day and it never went in stock at any of the six I can drive uh... to. So, <laughs> uh, But you can buy it online for 70 bucks. Somebody's more than willing to sell it to oh, you absolutely. for $70 and up. Yeah, I, I feel he looks a little like the manager of my Target selling it out the back door. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. <laughs> I, I, I think that's, yeah, when you're talking about the pacing of it and clearly that this is an indication that you know we are you know that there is more to come if you're doing it this way and it's i also think it's interesting one of my observations was is that all right we ended up at at the end of last episode where you've got this long shot on crosshair and then you go immediately to a finished mission where they're like oh those gundar you know was it Gundarks? Yeah. Um, or whatnot. And now they're like, well, apparently some time has passed and Crosshair, you know, if we're not getting back to Crosshair, I'm like, he's still looking. So apparently yeah. their their cover is still pretty good because you would have figured that he would have shown up by now or uh, or have some kind of it. It would have been nice to have seen some kind of him sitting there somewhere, twi- twi- you know, twirling a uh, mustache that doesn't exist and trying to figure out where to find them. But um, as so, we get... Uh... One thing, sorry, one thing you just made me think of that we should probably be conscious of, and I will be the first to admit I have no information. Your comment is is accurate. This could have come before the Ryloth episodes, and it wouldn't have made a, a lick of difference. Mm-hmm. There was no connection there. Um, we could perhaps be seeing some pandemic impact, right? Uh-huh. If they you know, had to disband their writer's room. I, I, obviously, the animated shows have a really you know long lead time. But it's not infinite. And so if they were, you know, writing this season 
last February and then all had to go home to their houses to draw it. It's different people, obviously. But um, I wonder if maybe we are seeing a little bit of, of, you know, standalone episodes because they didn't have the coordination they normally would per production. So complete speculation, but it could be impacting it. No, and that is something that you know we've talked before about. Um, you know, when we bring this season to a close, you know, maybe having some other folks on as well, and having this, you know, when we have the end of this season one and looking back, I think it would be really interesting to go over and see, you know, and, and we would, of course, at that point, see where the cliffhanger was and so forth, and then look back at these episodes and go. Was you know was there clearly uh, that that does make complete sense that this might have been something where we just need to buy ourselves some time. It does fit within the chronology, but there was yeah this could have been this could have been in a lot of different places and it had no ties to anything. Um, yeah. And so oh that's a great that's a great observation there. All right, what is next on your list, Mister? <laughs> uh, I uh, myself, I will say, I enjoyed seeing the Pike show up. Mm. So my question to you is more subjective, but uh, do you think we could use with some more syndicates in this part of Star Wars? Is this a good entry into the underworld and into more of the the crime sides of things? Did you like seeing the Pike show up, and do you want more syndicates? Not being the huge Clone Wars nerd that I should be, I know that when I saw them in uh, the season seven of the of the Clone Wars with the Martez sisters, right? I am thinking yep, of right. Yep, that's correct. That it was sort of a turn. I had to kind of go back and go, oh yeah, that's right, because we did see them in Solo. Um, there was the right. one member of the Pike. So I, I didn't mind seeing them again because then I could it, it, they give me more of a reference. And then you start thinking of Crimson Dawn as well as the Pikes. And so at this point, as the Republic goes and the Empire is getting their foothold, there is a vacuum that these these syndicates do fall into. And it would be interesting because, you know, now the Pikes, I think, let them off the hook with our businesses kind of done here. It would have been yeah. kind of interesting to have them not completely off the hook so that that would give them another, you know, like not only are you on the run from the Empire, but you're on the on the run from the Pikes. But I would love to see more Crimson Dawn because then you get into uh, Beckett, you get into, and I keep forgetting his name, uh, <laughs> bless you. Dryden Voss. I Dryden Voss. For my C's. Why Apologies. I can't? I think that's the second week in a row you bailed me out on Dryden Voss. Um, but I do. I, I I would like to see a little more of that. A little emphasis nest. A little more of the cloud riders. And I think this is a yeah. perfect opportunity. If you are not going to have Hunter and company join the rebellion right away, you know you're obviously in getting jobs like this. You're going to cross paths with these folks. I'm surprised we did not see that in the episode where they ran into the Martez sisters uh, on Corellia. That that would have been. Um, you know, Lady Proxima's background that, you know, mm-hmm. why, why, why not? And I do think that that would bring into play. We know that we, we know that we're not seeing Maul yet. Everybody, you know, like we're not seeing, right. we're not seeing Ahsoka. We're not seeing um, Cal Kestis. We're not seeing Caleb Doom. They're all kind of licking their wounds. But I do think that um, Maul makes an argument to come back first to, to gather his, to lick his wounds and come back. And that would be very interesting to also see them cross paths. And I think that that would make more as much sense. That would make more sense because the inquisitors are too busy, you know, cutting down Jedi at this yeah, point. Good point. 
And uh, yeah. so, no, I, I bring it on because I do think that <laughs> the uh, that does make sense, especially when you're on Ord Mantel. Um, mm-hmm. And it would be interesting to see Sid, uh, you know, <laughs> run afoul <laughs> of one, another one of these syndicates. I think she also got off the hook. And uh, the Pikes, the Pikes left very quickly. I was, I was very surprised, but maybe mm-hmm. they're, it's just, they're all business. It's not nothing personal. Yeah. Um, lastly, I think I'm going to go into one of my last questions. Um, like I said, to keep this one relatively short, but I will pick up on a, on one that um, my friend Paul brought into and <laughs> talking about Roland Durand. Uh, mm-hmm. He f- kind of folded like a cheap suit. Um, were you surprised at kind of how weak the characters kind of turned out to be? Hmm, good question. I was definitely thinking he was the guy from Rebels. I will just mention in passing. Oh, yeah. uh, Vizago, I believe, is the I one in Rebels. I think you are right. Um, and he, especially once his horn was cut off, I was like, wait, so is he? And then it's like, no, he's clearly a different name. Like, I don't know, maybe we'll learn it's an alias or something like that. Um. You know, I I took it as your classic kind of bully story, right? The bully picks on the weak kid when nobody else is around to defend him. And <laughs> Sid was the weak kid. She was vulnerable. And so he took advantage of, of the situation and took over the bar and, and tried to cut her out of that. Uh, not realizing how resourceful she was and, and that she had her, her bigger allies. And so for me, uh, a bully does fold quick, right? Um, <laughs> I'm somebody with an older sibling. So when I was in trouble with a bully on the playground and my older sibling came around, it suddenly got very easy to get out of that trouble. <laughs> so it, it felt a lot like that, that the Bad Batch came in and, and he wasn't interested in fighting that. I, I, I do think that it was more fear of the pikes than anything that motivated him after the spice disappeared um and i i I think there's good reason to be afraid of a crime syndicate um especially at this stage like you were saying where they're they're wielding all the power um i i want to hear your thoughts on that how did you feel about him in general i was surprised i think um Omega and his scene together was surprising, and I did think it it played into her reaction at the end where she kind of bailed him out a bit. Um, And I like the fact that he was a little more than just one-dimensional. I I, I was also surprised that knife cut as good as it did. I'm like, well, that that went through bone pretty fast. Um, (laughs) And I'm sure he would, you know, like, but like I said, it it was sort of like easy come, easy go. But it'd be it'd be interesting to see a little more of him. Um, I, I'll put it out there. We talked about this before the show that he was voiced by Tom Taylorson, who mm. also did Agent Wraith on Resistance. Uh, he's also done vo- a lot of voice work, including he was in Red Redemption too. Uh, so yeah. it was fun because as we, as we were t- also talking, a lot of times when they bring in these guest voices, they're more than one character. Uh, and so it's kind of fun sometimes because the, the, the voice work, they get one slide, uh, D Bradley Baker, and then this cast of like six people. Um, yeah. so it was interesting to see who else they brought in. I know that there was another, there was another voice in there, um, that I did not get a chance to, to, to do a lot of, of work on, but uh, I have a feeling that they are pulling, uh, from a good, uh, bunch of voice talent out there. And I know that, uh, some of these people are on the socials. So if you look for, mm. uh, Tom Taylorson, you will see him on, uh, on Twitter as well. Um, but yeah, it was something that I think the character was interesting and it would have made once again, you know, when you've only got 20 X, you know, 20 X type minutes 
where are you putting your chips at? And could we have could we have done without a little more of the the mining carts and done a little more with the characters? Um, yeah. I, I think this could be one that I think got away from him. Um, <laughs> so I think the characters would have been interesting, and I think all of them would have wouldn't have mind another six or seven lines between all of them uh, mm. because it would have been more interesting if they'd outsmarted them with a few more lines than having to worry about having to deal with a bunch of bugs. That said, all right, I'll give you the floor for the final question tonight. Well, I'm going to skip over my would you ride a minecart chase at <laughs> Galaxy's Edge because I think we, we've heard enough about your thoughts on the minecart. Um, so uh, my last question is, I saw the final, I guess not the final, but I saw the confrontation between the Bad Batch and the Pikes. And my mind was with the Bad Batch. I said, you could just take out these guys no questions asked you could totally overpower these weak pikes and their muscle they have here but sid really stopped them and said no 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 you don't want that kind of key you don't want that kind of trouble so my question to you was sid right do you think they should have kind of walked away i mean the galaxy would be a better place without these gangsters if we're you know doing good in the galaxy should they have taken them out or or did sid make the right call i'm gonna have to side on sid on this one i think that she got away very easy in this one and i do think if a couple of uh pikes or if a handful of pikes die on old mantel that's a lot more heat than what they got to go with i think like i said the you know i'm surprised they walked away as they did um, but I do think that, you know, this was, yeah, this was Sid basically in self-preservation mode to go, look, uh, I think we're getting off. I get my bar back and yep. we don't need you guys. Although, like you said, I think that the batch could have completely wiped the floor with them. Um, I yeah. think that, and then once again, that would have also been, okay, now we've got the pikes on. So I go back to my earlier comments where I think it would have been more interesting, but from a purely a Sid standpoint, she wanted nothing more to do with this. And I'm like... I just want to go back to giving out jobs, making money, and keeping my six patrons um, still <laughs> in there as they're going yeah. around because she could have got all of them killed as well. Um, that's a very loyal uh, group she has. It's kind of funny to see them week after week um, at any rate. What do you think? Uh, you know, it, I, I really wanted them to just take them out because I just like <laughs> some action. But I think it is probably the right call. And, and when you were talking about it, it actually made me wonder uh, back to Solo. So Kira took out a pike uh, in the Kessel Rebellion oh, using yeah. her Terrace Kazi. Um, so if we're so worried about the Bad Batch's consequences, I guess Solo 2 could include the pikes hunting down the Falcon and knowing that... You know, the they would have hollow recordings of everybody in that party and might be hunting them down. So good material for the, the syndicate war, which I think is where oh. uh, John Kasdan said he wanted to build that franchise to in Solo 2 and 3 and however many they gave him. So uh, it's a rich time period, and, and I think it could be in this show. It could be in live action, but um, since all the shows are after... Um, Return of the Jedi, it seems unlikely. Um, uh, I'm going to let you close the show, but I will say if there are people listening who like the crime syndicates and are interested in Crimson Dawn, I want to put in another plug for the War of the Bounty Hunter comics. Uh, 
which features the return of Crimson Dawn. And I will not spoil any more than that, but Crimson Dawn comes back in the time period after Empire Strikes Back and is having a major effect on the galaxy. So people should pick that up if they haven't. It's interesting, you know, do you, uh, as we now get into, we had the announcement for the High Republic, uh, the third wave. Um, I do need to, I do need to get into, I, I do want to read Rise, was it The Rising Storm? Is that the yep. Yep. Kevin Scott book? Um, because I, I am, I'm almost more interested in things falling apart than I am, you know, and I think that we will see that in the third wave where it sounds like maybe it's, it's coming to a close. And I think that would, that makes an argument going back to, would you want to hear more about the Jedi and their prime? Or do you really want to hear, talk, read about the bad guys uh, going yeah. at it? And I think a lot of folks would be like, yeah, we'd like to hear the bad guys. Um, <laughs> so, you know, as much as I want to see white robe Jedi uh, wielding around being, being, being the boss, I think, this is almost to me a more interesting where, you know, filling that vacuum, this void. And, you know, I think there's a lot of, you know, uh, I think it's trying to find, you know, who's the good guys and all this and people trying to, to navigate through this, I think is a more, to me, a more, more fertile ground for this. And I, I wish, um, I wish both franchises, uh, the best of luck, but I do think that, um, I can't wait for a graphic novel for war, of the bounty hunters, uh, I mm-hmm. know I have some of the comics, but I'm like, I, I do want to get the, the graphic novel that can get the whole story because I think it's a good one. You know, it, it yeah. harkens back to Shadows of the Empire. Um, so it's it's one of that. But also very happy to see that the High Republic is getting their due and getting that full run. They have they, they deserve uh, the chance to tell their the complete story there. And I yeah. think that. You know, once you kind of put it out there, and then there'll be some subsidiary stuff that that grows from there. I think we've got uh, we've got stories for eons to come, long after we are part of the living force, as it were. <laughs> However, not, not to bring this down, but if we go any longer, uh, we'd have to do some real work. Uh, you and I have a full week ahead of us, and other recap podcasts to listen to. I know that um, we recorded a little late this week, but I know that my podcast queue is already filling up. Uh, with some goodness, uh, I know that the bad the uh, Rebel Force Radio already has their show out as well as some others. So I am excited to get a chance to listen to that this week—a long week. Um, but hopefully, we'll be back after episode 14. That's War Mantle with more questions. We hope somebody answer. Um, if and if you have any questions, I want to say thank you to uh, uh, to Kyle and to Paul and uh, Director Benick. I know and. Um, you know, Daft Bronze out there, everybody who uh, give us such great feedback week after week. If you have any questions, you can reach out to one of us on the socials, um, either myself or Greg, or you can email the, email the podcast, uh, greg at rebelbasecard.com. For Gregory Cass and myself, I want to thank you for listening. Breakfast is over, and we now return you to a Star Wars podcast playlist already in progress. The music for this podcast is brought to you under a Creative Commons license from Trent Reznor and Nine Inch Nails. This is Discipline, off the album The Slip. This podcast is not affiliated in any way with Topps, Disney, or Star Wars, nor is it endorsed by Disney or Lucasfilm, and is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All names and sounds, and any other related items, are properties of their respective trademarks and or copyright holders here in the U.S. and abroad. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com.